Listen in the dojo and dynamite. Dynamite, put your hand in ring is out of sight. All elite TNT make it feel right. Put your hand all elite, time to unite. One's name Rich, the other Ashley. The number one pod for the whole family. Time to fill your wrestling appetite. Now it's time to start dojo and dynamite. This is Ashley and Rich here with episode 57 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Saturday, December 12th. Almost Christmas time, but we had to catch up on the finals of the World Tag League and the best of the Super Juniors. Yes, we did. What a show. Yeah, it was a good show. It actually felt like, and we've kind of said this over the entire course of the summer throughout the year, that we're trying and sort of getting back to what New Japan was prior to the pandemic. And I think that this show from top down felt like a very important show. I also like the fact that they kind of coupled the Super Junior and the World Tag League together because you kind of got a dynamic of tag teams and singles comp- competition, singles competitors on the same show. So obviously big implications going toward Wrestle Kingdom, two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and we're less than a month away. This is crazy. And less than a month away from Wrestle Kingdom. And huge AEW shows, huge wrestling shows at the end of the year and the start of the new year. It is going to be a very busy holiday time for all wrestling fans. But we are here for it. I mean, what more can you ask for? Should we start by saying congratulations to G.O.D.? Oh, yes. Yes, they did it. G.O.D., your 2020 World Tag League winners. Finally, It's what you've been asking for. We've obviously hyped it up. We talked about World Tag League. You gave all the points. You were hoping G.O.D. would get the win. Finally, they are recognized as the dominant tag team of New Japan. There's not many left. Obviously, New Japan does a booking style where they kind of give it to what you would call the veteran, the experienced tag team. In the tag team competition, you had Finley and Juicy against G.O.D. obviously in the finals. It was good. It was long. Both matches were long. Felt like long endeavors, telling stories. Obviously, Haronmu and Desperado, we'll get to that at the end of the program here because we kind of do our AEW recap first. We'll touch upon the World Tag League. We'll talk about that amazing match that was the best of the Super Junior Clothes and the fact that G.O.D., they look great. World Tag League champions, cup champions, whatever you want to call them. They get, they get trophies, get For cups. For a moment, just everything felt right. They did it. I don't have to go on a rant. I was prepared for if this ended a different way, but uh, hell yeah, G.O.D. It's the right move, though. From a wrestling standpoint, wrestling in New Japan is the right move. You had to get the hardware, as you can call it, on new competition. They've already been tag team champions a numerous amount of times. Why not win the tag league? Yeah, and now they just reclaim what's theirs at at Wrestle Kingdom and then get back those uh, IWGP heavyweight tag championships. No complaints for me, but without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive into this week's recap so we can also touch on uh, the the New Japan Finals, like you mentioned. Dynamite opened up with tag team action. We had the Young Bucks versus TH2. Now, I can't overall, remember, was this a title match? No, this was not Non-title a title match. If, if TH2 were to win, they would get a future tag team championship shot. They did not, so... Uh, I believe the Joey Janela thing is exactly the same way. I don't believe that Joey Janela, who is competing on Wednesday for the AEW title, is not actually for the title. I believe it's just Kenny Omega, and if he wins, he gets the challenge for the title. I didn't see that announcement, so I'm I'm not sure, but that would make sense. They, they do like to do that. Because I initially thought that it was Kenny Omega versus Janela for the title. If I'm wrong, fan participation. But guys... We didn't get to wiggle it up with TH2. I mean, they didn't get an entrance. Right. I mean, the Young Bucks came out. TH2, to be honest with you, this match was a solid B. Obviously, a good match. Obviously, competition between the tag team divisions. We saw FTR a little bit later kind of get in with Jungle Express, Jurassic Express. I can't, I, I'm back to screwing that up. FTR versus Varsity Blondes. Yes, but they tangled it up. We're going to be getting that. At the end of the match against Varsity Blondes, he slapped like Luchasaurus in the side. They got like a little entanglement here, and they there's like, a lot of chaos in this. In this a lot tag of diversity division. across yes. the tag team boards. So, but first, Ashley, you can't ignore the fact that we had watched Impact. 
This was all the same week. We had a wild week of wrestling. We had Impact on Tuesday. You had Dynamite on Wednesday. And now you had the World Tag League and the Best of the Super Junior Finals today. We concluded it. We were very busy holiday shopping. So we were able to conclude it today. But we had to watch. And we did watch. And we enjoyed, to an extent, Impact on Tuesday. It's been a long week. I forgot that that happened on Tuesday. We waited for two hours to get to Kenny Omega's promo. Impact's got a lot of positivity here. We'll just go a quick drop on Impact. There's a lot on Impact that feels really valuable. That main event tag team match with Moose and Chris Bay and Rich Swan and Willie Mack. I liked that match. That match was good. The opening match with the North against the Motor City Machine Guns, very good. Tag team wrestlers and singles action. I mean, I was hooked from the beginning. Very, very good. Those two matches, very good content. Sammy Callahan cut a pretty good promo. Eddie Edwards came out. That kind of stuff felt big time, felt valuable. And then you had other things that I just, I don't know how you put this on television. I mean, the stuff with the Deaners and Eric Young. And I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) I'm just, they have a lot that they offer, and there's a lot they also don't offer. So, I mean, the show was good, nonetheless. And. That kind of rolled into Wednesday where we had the Young Bucks against TH2, but we also were going to hear from Kenny Omega and Don Callis, which is interesting because I guess this show was taped. So they had prepared for what they were going to say. I believe Impact was taped after this show, but they were able to make it feel like it occurred after Impact. So <laughs> congratulations to them. Oh, yeah. Congrats you... to them. They, they were able to do that. You po- yeah, you, yeah. No, that's a great point. Because um, it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel taped um, no, not or, the way or his out promo of order was, no. or anything like that. But they were able to do that. But the Bucks and TH2 getting back to that, getting back to Dynamite recap, it was a solid B. I thought the match was good. You're mixing it up with competition. We'll see who the Young Bucks go after next. I believe the Acclaimed are kind of playing a role here with the Young Bucks. So we'll see if they decide they want to go in that direction. I, I enjoyed it. Um, more TH2 is a good thing. Hopefully they'll be facing the Bucks for the the tag titles at some point in the future. I mean, we say this all the time. Give us more tag team championship matches, tag team tournaments. Uh, We love tag team wrestling here, so let's go. Um, But that opening action was followed up by a video package you wanted to touch on with our TNT champion, Darby Allin. So now, all of a sudden, he's a TNT champion. These packages have become more valuable than ever before. It's like an auteur vision of filmmaking. He does an excellent job of captivating exactly where he wants to go with these vignettes. And I thought this was very valuable, targeting Brian Cage, targeting Team Taz. He's now the TNT champion. And that's what I was driving at here. He is a valuable asset to TNT. He's a valuable asset to AEW, a valuable asset to Dynamite, and now he's going to be utilized in that fashion. This promo means a lot. It's who he's targeting. It's where this championship will be played. It's where this championship will be used, where it's targeted. And very interesting to note at the end, as he's going through a a Rorschach test, essentially, with with these images, uh, last one is, is Sting, and Darby just laughs at it. And it goes to commercial. So we don't get to know what. And it kind of ties into the next segment, there. which I believe was the Sting segment. It was, yes. Cody, yeah. Cody, uh, Tony Schiavone, and Sting came up next. So it kind of twists. I didn't expect Cody to be involved in this segment at all. I just thought that from the previous week it was going to be Tony and Sting, and Sting was going to talk to the audience for the first time. But. You had Darby Allen sitting up in the rafters, and Sting, like I told you last week, I thought was excellent, was that you don't know if he's a heel, you don't know if he's a face, you don't know what he's going to be doing, and still, you don't know what he's going to be doing in AEW, but he made sure to let Cody know, and everybody else know that was questioning his motives, he has signed for a long time. He is here for the long haul, and he wants to make an impact. No pun intended. But could we see Sting getting involved with Darby Allen, which is what many people speculated a couple of months ago. They kind of wanted to see it similar in type of mysterious character, similar style of cutting a promo, similar vignettes, dark black and white. It's an auteur style of filmmaking that Sting used to provide when he would come out on Nitro. And Sting's diversity as a character you saw throughout his time in Impact and TNA. 
This is a unique ad for AEW, and I thought that he did really, really well. I gave this whole promo an A, I gave the whole segment an A. I would like to have seen more interaction, unfortunately, between Tony and Sting, but I guess it just kind of drives to what Cody's gearing up to do and get himself involved in this Sting segment. But we talked about it last week, and Sting even talked about it in this promo. It, it just it feels right with him being here. You know, he comes out and addresses the audience, addresses as uh, addresses Tony, and it felt like this is where he should be, and it just it felt very natural, and it's really intriguing, because um, you don't really know, like you said, what his intentions are, what he's going to do, whose side he's whose side he's on, and it's interesting. I always thought that Sting not felt out of place in WWE, but Sting always felt very intimate. When you watch him in WCW, when you watch him in TNA, he speaks to the audience, he gives you visions of what it is that his character is, he, he tells you the stories he wants, and in WWE, everything kind of feels a little more distant from the audience. It kind of feels more like you're watching rather than engaging. And I thought that when Sting was there, it felt like he was almost now untouchable, like he wasn't relatable, even though I watched him through TNA for a decade where I watched him in main events, and I watched him do promos with Jeff Hardy, and with Hulk Hogan, and with Ken Anderson, and Kurt Angle, and Samoa Joe, and, and all the diversity he was able to provide. He had a really good run with Seth Rollins there. And it was very unfortunate how that ended, because I thought that was a great little run he had. He was throwing the trophies into the garbage trucks, and I thought that was a really intimate look at Sting, which is what he provides, and I thought this promo... Speaking to the audience, letting them know that, hey, listen, I'm going to be here for quite some time, and Cody, there's nothing you can do about it. I thought that felt very intimate into what his character was going to be. AEW has been able to capture this tremendously, though, throughout their tenure, where watching as a fan at home, like, I feel like they're addressing me in the living room. Like, you feel like you're a part of the show, and that's, it's just, it's it's engaging, it's compelling, and I think they do that spot on uh, quite frequently. I also think that's what's made Sting a fan favorite and people's favorites growing up. It felt like he spoke to you right through the television. He related to you whether or not he was Surfer Sting or Crow Sting. He talked to you directly and it just it's a pairing match made in heaven. I agree. We had a lot of promos though at the at the start of the show. Um, so we had the Darby package, the Sting segment, like we just discussed, and then there was a brief Team Taz promo, which I know uh, you enjoyed because you you love yourself some Team Taz. Well, we talked about how Team Taz feels very valuable, feels very important. To They've main been event level team. I think we've said big league shit since the very beginning, and they're just getting bigger. They feel big league. And now you have such a variety, such a diversity of talent. You obviously have Brian Cage, big guy, athletic guy, powerhouse Hobbs, obviously the most powerful guy. I mean, it's the way he wrestles. Love Will Hobbs. You have Taz as a great voice. Ricky Starks had a fantastic jacket. But besides that, Ricky Starks can cut a hell of a promo. He's such a unique talent in his own way. He's obviously a little smaller than the two of them, gives diversity. And then you have his son, Hook, who's now involved in this, kind of feels like the young child involved in this entire group, and you don't know what his X factor could be to this team. So now you have a personal relation that Cody kind of dragged in. The team feels so diverse and unique. It kind of felt like what the inner circle felt like when we started to introduce those characters to us slowly in the beginning of Dynamite. It's a good comparison. Because you had so many figures from different walks of life. You had it. LAX, who became proud and powerful, coming from Impact. You had Sammy Guevara from the Indies. You had Hager coming back from MMA. You had Jericho coming over from the Fed and New Japan. So you had such a plethora and diversity of characters that came together. And every week you watched them become closer and become more unified as Jericho, the AEW world champion, continued his run through Cody and the Elite. Yeah, it's a way where... At first glimpse, at first thought, it's like, oh, this this doesn't make any sense. But then you just see it unfold and it's like, well, who else would be here? Like, it, it's the perfect pairing. Uh, Team Taz and the Inner Circle uh, in, in both respects, but... And it's sort of the same thing. You're taking guy Brian Cage who's been around the block. You're taking Ricky Starks, new new kid on the block, coming from NWA. You have Hook, who has never been introduced before. And you got Will Hobbs, who's kind of an indie guy who's never been on television. Now you have him involved. And you have Taz, who has crossed the borders and paths of every company from ECW to now. 
So it's it's a variety, and we're seeing them all get tooled together. It's it's good group. That's no, why I, I love wanted it. to kind I of mention it. it. I'm enjoying what Team Taz is doing. Absolutely. And Ricky Starks is something special on the mic. Him and Taz together, just, it's it's great. I love this group. Moving along, though, this brings us to the next match, which was more tag team action. Uh, Varsity Blondes versus FTR, who made their return. Um, they've been off TV for a few weeks. I kind of like their name, the Varsity Blondes. I kind of I kind of thought it fit what they were. I liked it. I liked. No, it I, works. I liked yeah, it. I liked it. So hopefully we'll see more Brian Pillman. I, I hope the thing with Major League Wrestling kind of resolved itself. So we'll see more Brian Pillman on television. We'll see more Griff Garrison and whatever they want to do with that character. Now, FTR comes back. It's the first time I believe that we've seen them since they lost their titles. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, Which I believe. we talked about all the time. AEW does a great job of kind of keeping you off television for a little while, make you forget about the fact you just lost. So when you do come back, you're still as strong and as valuable as when you left. So then they get involved in this. This match is fine, solid B-. minus. I thought the match was good. I like to see these guys getting highlighted on regular television. They're on dark often. And then they get tangled with Jurassic Express. I fixed it this time at the end of it. So you're, you're getting a variety of tag teams and kind of here it's like, you know, FTR is not necessarily welcomed. See, they're kind of the way that they were received by the other tag teams. But FTR is the best tag team on the planet, as they would say. So where are they going to go after this? That's a big question. It kind of leaves me in this balance of should they do the tag team tournament again? Yes. I mean, you know, you know, my answer to that is, is always yes. Because I feel like we're kind of not floundering around, but we're floating around with a lot of tag teams that have already faced each other numerous times. So it's kind of what can we do to kind of spice up the division in regards to rivalries? It's, it's difficult when you come off FTR and the Young Bucks, which is obviously the best program that they've had in quite some time. One of the best wrestling matches that we've all seen. So it's kind of difficult when you come off that because the highs of that are so high. And we're not in any lows, but to reach expectations of those levels are just, it's, it's immeasurable. You can't reach those metrics. So what can we do to kind of stimulate maybe a slow growth here back in the tag team department, not having just kind of a wide variety of tag teams competing all the time? Maybe a little tournament. Kind of pull the attention back to the other guys and see who's going to gear up and take on the Young Bucks maybe at beach break. I am never going to tell you no to a tag team tournament. And what you are never going to tell us no to is having some Dustin Rhodes on television. Right after <laughs> I'm that. I'm never going to tell you no. We had Dustin versus the Dark Order's number 10 in singles action. So I like, again, I've always said this, you like it, I'm sure everybody else does, that the Dark Order always comes out together. I love it. They're so unique. One of my favorite entrances. And they all stand there. It, it, it's great. They all stand there and they watch as 10 competes with Dustin. So it, it feels always like Dustin has to look over his shoulder. The entire match, it always feels like he has to look over his shoulder. Now, even if they don't stay at ringside, there's always that, well, who's going to run out or is someone going to run out because Dark Order, there's strength in numbers. And it's, it's good. And it's as bad really as it may sound, I don't mean it in a bad way. But Dustin kind of tells the story that, hey, I'm a bit older now. I don't know if I can fight off five guys. So it's kind of like, you know, you got the Dark Order there. You got number, you got 10, you got Uno, you got, I don't know if John Silver was there, but, but you have Reynolds and you have all these guys. There's five, six, seven Dark Order guys. I'm not quite the, the athlete I was at 35 years old. I'm 52 years old, 51 years old. So it's kind of that thought as you're going through the match that he's constantly looking over his shoulder going, I don't know if I can overtake if the Dark Order decides to bum rush us. Well, it's like Dustin is just one of the best storytellers. It's like that that moment at Double or Nothing where he was unlacing his boots, and it's just right. gives you that that emotion and, and that ability to buy in. He does such a nice job of connecting in. on these subtle aspects of is Dustin going to get attacked from behind, and if he does, is somebody's going to have to help him because he's like, hey, listen, I can handle this one-on-one, -on -one. I can take you on two-on-one, -on -one, but... If you start putting the entire Dark Order, I'm not quite the same guy that I was. And I love that aspect of storytelling. But Dustin can go. He's probably the best that he's been Oh, no, no, absolutely. 20 but there's, years. There's, but... No, there's no Superman here. I mean, we're, we're all humans. And naturally, if the entire Dark Order were to attack him, I mean, how are you supposed to And I like that aspect about that. Dustin, though. I, I do. That's what connects me to him. He's able to tell you that and keep it real. But they do that little twist. He had Lee Johnson with him, which was helpful. 
I like Lee Johnson. I want to see more Lee Johnson. I like the fact that he was with him. But you have that little twist where Dark Order kind of wants to bring back something everybody else wants to forget, which is the seven character of Dustin Rhodes, and add him into the Dark Order, which I think was just kind of a play, truthfully, in his head. It was just get in his head and mess with him on these aspects of things that you would call failed career paths, make him doubt himself, make him question his path. And I thought that was really good. Evil Uno has been excellent. Duh, Evil Uno's the man. But you have him, you know, saying to Dustin, oh, what, you're the the third most relevant roads in this company? Like you said, it's all, uh, it's all mind playing, games. It's all playing in the head. You're all questioning now. Dustin's questioning his ability to continue and whether or not he needs more help in form of the Dark Order. But I'm glad. I was expecting for some reason, maybe the way their body positioning was, that Lee Johnson was just going to turn on Dustin. I don't know why. It was the way that they were kind of standing there toward the end. I was like, is he going to hit him? No, it, it did have that like brief moment. Uh, I, I thought the same thing. Um, but you never really know with the Dark Order who's going to jump ship. I mean, we've got Hangman, who's going to be tagging next week, six-man tag action. With John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Well, I mean, what's more wholesome than having Hangman, Reynolds, and Silver? It's the new elite, man. It's quite the group. Quite the group. But, yeah, you you don't know what's going to happen with the Dark Order. And we've been saying this uh, over the past few weeks, but they are just continuing to thrive. And I absolutely love each and every Dynamite, how they are just coming into their own. And, and like you said, their entrance. They're, they are... The most, I would say, the most dominant faction here. As of right now, especially without Brody Lee even, they're at this point where you don't want to mess with the Dark Order because the number figure is what takes you down. They don't need a championship, right? Like, no belts doesn't matter. Like, they are very powerful. They have numbers. They're the powerful beings that are the Dark Order. So, we'll see where they want to go. We haven't seen Stu Grayson wrestle in a hot minute, so we'll see what's going on there, but... Nonetheless, I thought this segment was really good. I gave the match and everything else involved in it solid A minus. I enjoyed the little subtle storytelling. Maybe I looked into it a little more than I should have, but hey, you know. But I think if you're able to, to if you're able to you know kind of think about it that way and, and draw your own conclusions, uh you're invested. I'm always Don't invested. Don't we try in not to speculate, but you know, it, it's fun when you can make your own like Maybe it's just the fact that I don't. I, I've enjoyed Dustin's matches. I thought he's been great since really he returned back and faced Orton when they did that whole family saga on Raw and he was main eventing. And I've been following Dustin, and obviously the match at Double or Nothing was kind of the culmination of we knew he could go. And I'm glad he got that platform that I tune in whenever I have a chance to see him wrestle. So it's kind of I pay maybe a little more attention. I try to create no, or conjure it's... up these pieces maybe because I'm, I'm trying to value or appreciate what we have before he decides to hang up the boots. His AEW run has been an absolute treat. And I think um, we're all lucky to, to, see, to see him. And I, I think he's getting what he deserves here. Um, in terms of respect and time to, to showcase his ability. He's fantastic. And uh, like I said, you, you're always down for some Dustin. So nice to see him in action here. But speaking of factions, um, while the Dark Order remains uh, very strong in their numbers, we had the Inner Circle's ultimatum trying to kind of iron out their differences and then try to get back on the same page. So this was one of those promos that I don't know if it lived up to what I expected it to be. We didn't know, obviously, last podcast. We didn't know what it was going to be. But I don't really know if it lived up to what I expected it to be. It was just kind of all them talking together that could have been done in a promo backstage. Rather, they came out on stage and they just kind of talked to each other in the middle of the ring. I'm actually going to disagree with you. I I thought it um, exceeded my expectations. I don't really know what I thought as we talked about. We didn't know quite what it was going to be, but um, even though Santana wasn't there, I I think this gave everyone their own personality and time to shine through, and I actually didn't mind it. I thought they could have just... I'm going to give it a C. I just thought they could have done more maybe in a vignette rather than standing in the middle of the ring next to each other. I'm not saying taking up time. It wasn't about time. It was just the way that it was 
kind of portrayed. There was nothing about it. It was just a bunch of guys with a microphone talking to each other. But Ortiz was right. Ortiz told Wardlow never to change. You're the greatest thing on right. earth. Never Goddamn change. big money Wardlow. And Ortiz is very right. Wardlow and uh, Ortiz and Santana will get that little trio, get Sammy Guevara in there, maybe get that little, little faction, and we'll hit the road. He said, you're great, don't ever change. And I was like, hell yeah. I mean, that this is it. That's that's what... That's how you know that they listen to the podcast and they appreciate what we talk about, Big Money Wardlow. Put these guys together, because Sammy Guevara has become something very special. He's, he's taken this young, punky attitude kid coming into the inner circle who I wasn't really a fan of and really developed with a lot of experience now throughout the year of being on television pretty much consistently every week has really adapted a character that now I actually feel very sympathetic towards Sammy Guevara regarding the MJF situation. No, he yeah, he's, he's doing one a great year job. over and uh, I think that's going to be really interesting to see because you know there's going to be more animosity uh they're on the same page for now, but I feel like Sammy is the odd one out, and we'll probably see him Literally one leaving. year ago, I was shitting on Sammy Guevara. Not shitting on him, but, you know, I, I'm, no, I'm sitting he, here he telling you it wasn't for me, and now I'm looking at it going, I feel sympathetic and want to see Sammy succeed because everybody else is putting him down, and fuck MJF. It's great. It's great. I love it. Um, but Wardlow never changed. Stay the same. Big money. Damn right. But we also had... Hager and Wardlow addressing the fact that they're they're staring at each other. They know, said they don't like each other, but I don't know if they don't like each other. I mean, maybe these two need to tag together. Maybe they need to do some bonding, go on a little trip. Well, they went to Las Vegas. No more tag teams, but can you imagine? No more tag teams, but I can't imagine. But overall, I thought that the thing just could have benefited from a little more pizzazz. And Jericho's never been low on pizzazz. But I thought maybe but it needed what a little of, spice. What kind of, of spice or pizzazz? Because, I mean, they're just... They're, know, they're the airing table. their grievances. You have, like, a, you, you know, you're sitting at a table and a promo and kind of having, like, interactions of kind of basing them off this ultimatum. I mean, they, they kind of came out here, this is going to be an ultimatum. Are we going to be together or are we not going to be together? Are you going to go to a boardroom and you're going to sit down and you're going to... You know, it's, I don't know. Maybe they just kind of threw it together. It's like, hey, we got to throw it together. We got next week, go out there and cut a promo. And Jericho goes, I got it. We'll do it. We'll handle it. We'll get the job done. I thought they did. The inner circle lives to see another day, but we will see what's to come in the near future. Next up, we had more tag team action, but this was not traditional tag team. It was six-man tag team action. The Lucha Bros and Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston and Butcher and Blade. Now listen. So this one, like, kind of missed pack a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, of course, I did miss Pack, but I'm not opposed to Lance Archer being in the mix with this. No, I guess it's a way to use Lance Archer. Right now, they kind of need that second television program. I'm going to be frank here. They have too much talent for the amount of television they have right now. So it's kind of like... Two hours goes by really fast. And, and I'm not against Lance Archer being involved, and don't get me wrong. It just, it kind of felt like Lance Archer's in here, obviously, with the Eddie Kingston thing. He, you know, he's kind of going at him. But it was like, you know, we had to find a place for Lance Archer. We want to get him involved in television. We want to get him involved prominently. What can we do? Let's add him to this package. And it kind of felt, did we need to add more to the blood package than we already had? It obviously benefits considering Pac is not going to be here or isn't here. He's going home for the holidays or so, uh, you know, which is fine, of course. He's going to go away during this little period of time. But because of COVID restrictions or whatever, it takes more time to, when you're traveling internationally to quarantine before uh, taking part in an event that's live like this or sporting event. But nonetheless, I digress. Did it? need to add Lance Archer to what was a blood feud. I guess maybe they felt it was imbalanced. You kind of have Butcher and Blade and Eddie Kingston. If Pac's not there, you need Fenix and Penta don't have anybody else in their corner. So maybe they want to involve those guys in that manner. But nonetheless, I thought the match was good. I mean, they went outside the ring. They They kind of tried to live up to what it was supposed to be. But I think they need to culminate in some type of big matchup. Kind of how they culminated in the parking lot brawl between Best Friends and Proud and Powerful. They kind of need to culminate in some type of big matchup where high stakes are on the line here. Cage match, something that would drive the actual 
blood feud aspect of Eddie Kingston manipulating those individuals, Penta and Fenix, Lucha Brothers, away from Pac to begin with. And I wouldn't be surprised if if we get that uh, one way or another. We've got three really big Dynamite shows coming up uh, the next few weeks with the holidays. So I, I would not be surprised if they gave us some sort of payoff there. We do. We have a big trifecta coming up at the end of the year. I believe it's the Dynamite prior to Christmas, the Dynamite prior to New Year's, and the Dynamite after New Year's are all special Dynamite events. I believe the two during New Year's uh, are also hosted by special guests, one being Snoop Dogg. The other, I don't remember. I don't remember the names of them either. Smash? a Dynamite Smash or something? Dynamite Bash? If I'm not mistaken, I think Snoop Dogg is hosting the show... After New Year's, which would be the sixth, and I think they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be special guests on the thirtieth, the right before. Yeah, um, I think that's what they announced. Fan participation. If you guys know who's going to be involved, we should have done the homework. But that was a little ahead of the game here. We still got a couple of weeks to get there, so I couldn't remember if it was called like New Year's Smash or something. It's a two event for New Year's and a one event because I believe the NBA is kicking off for the Christmas, so they're going to be moving that. Yeah, we're getting a late night Dynamite next Wednesday. Listen. No, not next Wednesday. I'm sorry. It was a solid B. I enjoyed it. I like Butcher and Blade. Like Lucha Brothers put them together in this match. I thought the blood feud's been driving hard. You have Lance Archer. You have Eddie Kingston involved. Hopefully Pac will be back after New Year's or even before that. We don't actually know. But hopefully Pac will be back before then and We'll get all of these guys kind of culminating in one big matchup. Yes, we we would love that very much. Moving right along, though, we had Abaddon versus Tesha Price in ladies' singles action. So it's good to see Abaddon, obviously, back healthy. We knew she had an injury scare. Back healthy, involved. Obviously, we talked about it with Hikaru Shida and how they're telling the story there. I like what they're doing with Abaddon. She is so unique. I have to remind myself that, like, she's a wrestler on television. Like, she's terrifying looking. And sometimes those gimmicks, like, I don't want to compare her to, like, the boogeyman, but sometimes the gimmicks of, like, just these evil-spirited aspect gimmicks don't really work. But Abaddon's works. No, her, and that's what I mean. Like, watching Abaddon on television or watching an Abaddon match... It's like that the feeling I get when I watch a horror movie where, you know, I'm afraid that there's going to be a monster in the shower or under the bed. Like, I fear Abaddon. I'm like, she's just a wrestling character on Her television. Her makeup's also fantastic. So it's it could amazing. Add to the, the mystique of the character. Yeah. It, it works. Like, Abaddon 100% works. And I, I love what they're doing with her right now. But this was a, a quick win for her, adding to her her uh, win-loss record, Tesha Price, making her Dynamite debut, uh, was sharing my feelings. She was equally afraid of Abaddon, and she had to get in the ring with her. Um, but this, you know, just really furthered the the budding feud between Abaddon and Sheeta. Uh, Sheeta came out at the end to carry Tesha Price away. She knocked Abaddon out with the kendo stick, and uh, Abaddon did the the Undertaker in the ring where, you know, you think she's she's down and out and then she just sits up. Hikaru Shida is spooked. We all are. Hikaru Shida is spooked and it's telling, that's the story, the driver. She's afraid of Abaddon. She's going to have to overcome these fears if she wants to defend her AEW Women's Championship. wonder if we'll be getting that match at one of these upcoming shows. I don't think anything's been announced yet, but... Yeah, that this is a that's a compelling story too. But this was followed up by our new AEW World Champion Kenny Omega speaking to the audience. So this is what we talked about a little earlier with Impact. It was this was filmed, I believe, prior to the Impact show, yet they made it feel like it occurred after the promo they were going to cut on Impact. That's great though. I mean So the fact they did yeah, exactly. The fact they did that, that that's high quality. So Don Callis, the invisible hand is now involved in what Kenny Omega is going to do as the world champion. Kenny Omega is not a good guy. Kenny Omega is a bad guy. So Kenny Omega is now full-blown heel. He has entrusted his championship run into somebody who eventually, knowing the story of wrestling, will compromise his championship run and eventually cost him the championship. 
Most likely. So <laughs> we are on the beginnings of a good relationship that will one day turn sour. Imagine it doesn't. <laughs> they just, just throw forever. us a curveball. On Callus Kenny Omega forever. <laughs> But I think this is good. It, it introduces a new character. I like the way that they use managers. They use them really well. And I think that Kenny can sometimes, and this is no knock on him, he presents a little different to the audiences of America. And I think sometimes Kenny benefits from having somebody else speak with him or engage with him a little differently because his cadences, his nuances are just a little off compared to the standard fair commentary or promos that you would get on the weekly Dynamite. So I think with Don Callis, it adds the ability to kind of contribute heavier on the microphone in the direct we don't have to have Kenny Omega cut a 10 minute promo every time he comes out Dodd Callis cuts some Kenny cuts some they interact with one another it builds an engaging and rich diversity for the world champion and it's a little bit different than what we had Moxley was kind of a loner he had nobody in his corner he had nobody with him he fought his own battles Jericho had an entire team of people even though Jericho was the leader now you have Don Callis, who looks like he's pulling the strings, and Kenny Omega plays along in the game. They're kind of a partnership. We have very different world champions throughout this year. It's it's interesting how they, I was going to say, shift the power dynamics. Like, it's, it's all very different, like you just laid out. So I thought that this was good. We'll see if this becomes something. I hope that they can continue to evolve it. I don't want it to become kind of this redundant, same promo every week, which, as you know, can happen in wrestling sometimes. Right now, it's good. It's an A. Well, Kenny um, is going to be back on Impact next week. And Kenny will be back. I believe he's going to be collecting title belts. That's the new gimmick. He'll be going around traveling, dominating as a champion, collecting championships across the board with all of these other organizations. Am I a fan of that gimmick? Not necessarily. But others may be. I'm more engaged in what Kenny Omega can provide for AEW, what Kenny Omega can provide for all these other talents in AEW that want to compete. But one day, winning all these titles and having all these matches is going to burn him out, and Don Callis is going to cost him his AEW world title. One thing we do need to talk about before we move on to the main event, uh, speaking of impact, was... The AEW paid advertisement featuring Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone on Tuesday. The paid advertisement was arguably the best part of the entire Tuesday war now that I'm starting. Absolutely hilarious. No James Storm. There was no, no James, James Storm, Storm on I'm disappointed for you, Ashley. I'm really sorry. But I'm starting a Tuesday-Wednesday war. You are? Yeah. Single-handedly? I don't want to work with Impact. I like that Tony, I like that Tony Khan was like, yeah, I, I can buy this this company. I'm, I'm anti-impact. Kenny could take his shit and his friends and go play somewhere else. We got a lot of things going on. We got Sting, okay? We got a lot of stuff going on over here. I don't want to play with them. I don't play with those toys yet. I want to hang out on our side. That was We're going to have hilarious. Survivor Series here. I'm driving a line. I'm, I'm on my AEW side. All those impact people, get out. I'm just kidding. Don't get out. Stay here. But nonetheless. No, we're all having fun. The promo was fantastic. Tony Giovanni was like, yep, I had a cup of coffee here, and then I retired from wrestling for 18 years. <laughs> Tony's like, why am I back? <laughs> and to do a little cheap plug, if you get Impact Plus, which is available on the Fire Stick, and I believe probably on the Roku and other, uh, other streaming services and devices, you can check that out when Tony Giovanni does show up on those weekly pay-per-views of TNA down in Nashville, Tennessee, wherever the hell they were, and... He pretty much quits. It's an interesting watch. I loved the the little flashbacks they were doing throughout the show on, on Twitch. And you had uh, Generation Me versus Motor, Motor City Machine Guns and Taz on commentary. And I'm like, just then and now, like, Taz is here in AEW. And you got a chance to see young Kaz, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. That was almost like the biggest nostalgia aspect. Well, it was definitely the biggest nostalgia aspect. It was the best part of the entire night. I'm waiting for Kenny Omega. I'm enjoying some good wrestling. I had some good stuff on the no, impact. I, I said that. Cool. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing Rhino. I'm a big Rhino fan. Uh, but being able to kind of relive those moments, 
you forget, like, oh, man, I love TNA. I missed out on, on a lot. You really did. So get an opportunity. If you have a chance, you can buy Impact Plus. They don't have as many impacts between 2008 and 2013. I believe it's a battle with, like, Viacom or something. That's neither here nor there. But they have all the pay-per-views and all the impacts and all the weekly pay-per-views prior in, in the Asylum years from 2002 to 2008. And then after that, in the most recent times. You guys can check that out. If you're a TNA fan, it might be a must-watch for you. We want to watch some Jeremy Buck, right? I can't confirm that. I would rather watch, like, Monty Brown and, like, Christian Cage. Definitely, definitely Rhino, some Jeremy Buck. Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe. But... AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. Jeremy Buck is kind of low on my TNA list. Beer money, Ash, beer money. Like... Beer money, Ash. Right below Jeremy Buck on my on my watch list, but this brings us to the main event of the evening, which was for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, MJF versus Orange Cassidy. And hey, we got a happy ending here. Yeah, and we were kind of wrong. We kind of shit on Orange Cassidy last week. I said, I, I was like, we have to take a step back. We took we're a step back. This match was actually really good. Win. It was very solid. No, I actually I enjoyed, enjoyed this. it. Thought the ending, thought Miro looked great. I loved the ending. I, the ending of the match was an A by itself. Miro comes out, clotheslines the hell out of Orange Cassidy, sold like a champ. Miro looked fantastic. I thought the ending spot, kind of getting him on the spotlight, I don't know what he's going to do. He's obviously going to finish his feud with best friends. Orange Cassidy, that, that whole group. But what Miro's going to do next is going to be very important to what AEW is regarding how well they manage the introduction of Miro as a dominant force or as a passive force. Because Miro right now doesn't look like a dominant force. Doesn't look like an impact player. The way they've portrayed him. And you get kind of spotlights of what Miro was. What was Miro best at when he was Rusev Crush, right? I mean, he's a, he's hilarious. Miro is a hilarious human being. He is such a diverse character. He's, he's very, very unique. Rusev Day was fantastic. But in terms of wrestling, what did we enjoyed Rusev? And I want to see Miro kind of get back to that dominant force that he was in the initial run where he should have beaten John Cena to begin with. No, I, I agree. Um, we, we've talked about this before in many instances where it's definitely not too late, but you just don't want to have that missed opportunity where you can't come back from. Well, you don't want him to be introduced and kind of just like laying around... Like, Lance Archer kind of came in, disappeared for a little bit. That was all right. But you don't want to be putting him on screen in these kind of roles where people start to take him less serious. Like, right. Miro is a dominant force, should be a dominant force. Absolutely. His outfits are fantastic. No, I think each and every week he, Commentary he's, is hilarious. he's looking fantastic. And it, it's the Maybe pieces more more are coming together. With the individuals. Like, yeah. You may not have known anybody coming in. You, you think about it outside wrestling, talk about not backstage, we're talking about politics. He may not have known many people coming into this organization. He's meeting these people for the first time. He's interacting, wrestling these people for the first time. Sure, sure, yeah. Wrestling and at WWE for seven years. The chemistry just, it's it's building and then things are clicking and it's we're we're at a good place right now. I'm excited for Miro. I'm a Miro yeah. fan, so that's why I want I want to see this type of thing. So I thought the match though between MJF and Orange Cassidy was very good. It's kind of like a lumberjack match. You had one side, you had the other side. Everybody's kind of going at it. You had the baseball bat get thrown in. Both of them kind of Eddie Guerrero in the middle of the ring, and then you had Miro come out, clothesline the living hell out of Orange Cassidy, and hey, the rest is history. And MJF is still the Diamond Ring holder. Well, I think back to back. Didn't we? You know, we went on a bit of a rant, and, and, you know, we assumed that Orange Cassidy was going to win. We we touched on the fact that maybe MJF would get the victory and, and um, you know, continue this reign of dominance. But we talked about Miro. Was it Orange Cassidy winning and then going well, to face Miro? We kind of felt Miro? like maybe was Miro should have... Yeah, yeah, we did. We That's did. what we... Yeah. Hey, Miro could, you know, because we were thinking about using the ring as... Like, the best man thing. You know, he's got the ring, and he's... That's what it was. That's what it was. Some type of cheesy, hilarious thing that I think Miro could kill. Right, absolutely. If he had the opportunity, but... But... I thought this was great. thought the ending was very good. I, got, I can't complain. I thought the Dynamite was very solid, all things considered. I thought there was a there was a period in the middle of the Dynamite where I kind of felt, well, oh, we can go either way, and then the Kenny Omega promo was good, the main event was good. We kind of, kind of fought back here after a couple of, like, swash matches we had in the middle, kind of... 
getting there, but, you know, it is what it is, all hands on deck still when you have tape shows. No, overall, I thought it was a strong show. Um, the holiday time, like, I feel like December is a very weird month. Well, it's tough because as much as we as fans, as audience, as members of our exclusive media, as I'll say, uh, we have a lot going on. All of us do. All of our listeners do. We all have a lot going on. We all have, you know, this families, and we all have holiday decorations, and well, we have meetups. Well, I think of, like, the wrestlers, and, too, and all, all the talent. You know, they have families. We kind of forget and... sometimes that wrestlers are people, too. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about maybe Pat going back and having to quarantine, of course. He wants to see his parents or wants to see his loved ones and wants to make sure that he's safe considering he was traveling to America. So, you know, you can't bash a guy for that. No, and, and not to mention the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic, so this is... Not a traditional year by any means, so we're going to just take a moment here to say thank you, because I kind of botched my Thanksgiving speech a few weeks ago. Wow. Uh, thank We've you. we full circle, guys, about two weeks ago. To all of uh, the wrestlers and, and found her voice. the talent, uh, you know, for doing all that they do for us, uh, uh, sacrificing on television and um, spending time away from their families for our entertainment. We thank you for that, and we appreciate you. So now to the best of the Super Junior Finals. We have a long show today. I'm sorry, guys. We're kind of holding it in tight here. But the best of the Super Junior Final, World Tag League Cup Final. I don't know where you want to wait. They should have, like, given it a name. Did they give it a name? Did I miss the name? Like, they should have called it something for the show, not just, like, the finals. They should have, like, made it something. You had two, you had two culminating matches between who was going to win the best of the Super Juniors and who was going to win the World Tag League. Listen, I am just over the moon that G.O.D. finally was able to take this title, add it to their resume. Um, I mean, the show opened up. We had uh, some tag team action, Bullet Club versus Chaos, Chase Owens got the victory. I gotta say one thing. I hate Chase Owens. That's not nice. But he looked good. He had new You liked his gear. gear. I thought his gear looked good. I thought, I thought he looked very professional. He looked less like Chase Owens and more like a winning wrestler. This is the right direction, Chase. We can do this. We can put these pieces together and we get you wins. Let's string some victories here. Listen, I'm always hyped for a Bullet Club win, but yeah, it was nice that Chase was able to get the pin here. But he was wrestling against um, Chaos, so Robbie Eagles, you wanted to talk about him. Yeah, I did. I Thank you for bringing it up. I, I just don't think we see enough Robbie Eagles at all. And I think that Robbie Eagles could be such an asset to what is the Empire and Will Ospreay. Oh, so you want him to jump ship, follow Osprey? I, I just feel that there is a platform and an opportunity with the Empire with Osprey because they're still a young faction. They're still growing. They have Jeff Cobb. It's Osprey and it's Okan. So you kind of want to start to add some pieces of maybe some really underutilized, high value talent. And we talked about maybe utilizing Show before Yo came back, depending if that's what they want to use them. But I saw Robbie Eagles, and I say, how the hell do I keep forgetting about Robbie Eagles? I like Robbie Eagles. I think he's very talented. And I think that he kind of fits in with this Empire kind of aspect as, you know, I believe that Will Ospreay was one that helped him come over from the Bullet Club initially when they were mm -hmm. in that New Zealand show or the mm -hmm. Australian show, the the... the the South Showdown, wherever they... S Southern Showdown? Southern Showdown, yeah. Mm -hmm. I believe they, they brought him over. So why can't Osprey help lead or bring over Robbie Eagles to what he promises is greener pastures on the Empire? It, it would be interesting. I feel like we've talked about that before, too. Maybe, um, maybe not on the podcast, but just outside conversations. Uh, but the Empire is unique. Um, they're starting to click to each and every week i feel like the one thing the empire does really really well is that they they've engaged the audience the audience cares about what they're doing they boo them they cheer like you know they're they're cheering their enemies they're booing them or, or they're cheering the faces but they're cheering the good guys booing osprey they've quickly turned and played the role of what they have to play to engage this new faction yeah. and i enjoy that I, i'm glad they've done that and it kind of makes your viewing pleasure higher when you're watching when the audience is against Okan. Yeah, well, you're not supposed to like them, but it's just they're doing it so well. Um, it's, it's, it is it's compelling. Uh, I think Jeff Cobb is a great addition. 
um, I like the great Ocon. I like what we've seen from him. And well, let um, you got let let us know what you guys think. Who do you think that they should add? Who do you think maybe is out there? I think they should go after a little underutilized member, as I think that you guys, everybody kind of knows Jeff Cobb's a big deal. Ocon's new. Osprey's a big deal. Osprey's a heavyweight now. So, you know, do you think they should target some underutilized talent like Robbie Eagles? Do you think that they should maybe target younger talent like Master Watto? Like, you know, are, are there opportunities here in the Empire, and who do you think should be involved in them? Yeah, let us know, guys. We're on the road to Wrestle Kingdom. We had uh, Okada and Osprey do a little face-off here, uh, gearing up for their match. That is one I think you're looking forward to. Well, it's Okada. Yeah, Okada and Osprey have had terrific matches. Plus, that's that's your your guy. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's it's not necessarily a title match. Obviously, you never know. Gato can pull a fast one, just give the belt back to Okada before <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, and just kind of throw away the Ibushi and scrap the whole Naito thing. But regardless, you kind of have We've something got Jay that... White. Don't, don't forget about him. Yeah, no, don't forget about Jay White, but I just meant the other two. But, uh, you know, you have, you have Okada going into Wrestle Kingdom, not in a title match, but against Osprey and what will be a big deal. And I'm sure Okada's going to put over Osprey. I, I'm confident he's going to put over Osprey. Has to be done. They need a new faction, but it's also going to build a lot of sympathy, I think, when you kind of have the Bullet Club, obviously bad guys, the Empire, obviously bad guys, Suzuki-Goon, obviously, yeah, everybody loves Suzuki, but, you know, it's kind of their bad guys, everybody else is bad guys, Suzuki's beloved, but everybody else is kind of bad guys, you, you know, and LIJ is kind of the tweeners, as they've always been, they're beloved by audiences, but yet, they're kind of dastardly. But who doesn't love, like, Hiromu? Come on, I mean, you know. But you kind of need to have these good guys kind of getting an opportunity to shine, too. And I think they're building up the bad so this year we can see Okada get the belt back. That's what this all comes to? All of this evil is going to be combated by an Okada title reign? Yeah. It's the light shine through the darkness, man. I don't quite see it that way. You have to create all this evil so that the, the true one good ace of the company can rise again. Maybe Tanahashi is going to get one more run, but he got a little banged up, was kind of carried out, built a little simpy. Maybe it's for all, maybe it's the whole run of Tanahashi could take them all down. 2021, the year of Tanahashi. I wouldn't complain. Well, we kind of have the Bullet Club Civil War coming up, but yeah, the World Tag League Finals will kind of come to these big matches. Yeah, the World two Tag strong League, main events here. Was very quite the strong. Show. I also thought they were very long. Now, obviously, if you want to watch a true, traditional, New Japan-style main event, you watch Desperado and you watch Hiromu Takahashi. They tore it up. Hell yeah. Tore to be expected, I mean, but just Halfway hell yeah. through this match, tore his mask off, ripped these things apart, didn't care anymore, just didn't care anymore. Whipped his mask at Takahashi. They started slugging it out in a brawl. I hope he keeps it off. I hope this is a new gimmick. That's it's a new change for all this product. That was that was shocking. Um, but you said long, and and they were long, but not in a bad way. I mean, these were your New Japan main event battles. I think it gave an opportunity for Juicy and David Finley, who I thought David Finley looked great. Uh, you and I've criticized him before. I don't know why. He just doesn't do it for me. I thought he looked great. Him and Chase Owens look great. I'm turning a leaf here, guys. I'm turning a corner here. Things are changing in wrestling. I need new people to kind of like dislike. Yano's king of pro wrestling. Oh, so Yano. Got yeah. All right. So Yano, I don't like. That hasn't changed. Well, they smashed his trophy, which is really sad because I'm sure that Okana's going to be upset about that. I'm sure, he paid to get that thing made. It's not nice. 2021 year of Okada's come back. He's pissed. Remember how Ibushi said he like charged all his energy? Now he's gonna like explode and kill everybody. He's gonna go like Super Saiyan and like that was it. Yeah, he said he was going to become God. Yeah, right. So he's gonna do that, and like now Okada, like his trophy's broken. He paid for that. He like he crafted that. This is all his idea. Like he's pissed. He's pissed, man. But getting back to the point at hand here, you have an opportunity to watch these two. We we're not gonna do enough justice talking about it. We can't. So anybody who is a fan of New Japan, you have to watch the main event. It is what Takahashi does best. 
I, I know I've been giving all of my energy to the World Tag League because G.O.D., I mean, that, that's who I am, but the best of the Super Juniors always delivers. G.O.D.'s and- in but G.O.D. was great. Don't don't get me wrong. G.O.D. was great. They, they're in great shape. It's great that they're the Tag Team League Cup, World Tag League Cup winners. No, I... I Confusing. I rightfully so. They, they deserve this. This is their first World Tag League win. Uh, it's great to have them back. I, I thought they put on quite a show here with, um, with Finn Juice. But to be fair, uh, like you said, I mean, just the best of the Super Juniors is always... Um, a classic and this main event was special and it's kind of the thing I said I believe I said a couple of months ago on the podcast that I wanted to see more El Desperado I felt like I never got enough of him last year when we really got introduced to New Japan in 2019 I don't think I got enough El Desperado well, I there, you know, we had he was injured injured right? in we that got, first we got Super Junior that we watched Doki came over yeah mm-hmm. and I, I kind of said I, I never got enough I like Doki so do I, so but cool. I never got enough El Desperado, and, I, and I'm glad that we had the opportunity to show this level that was on display during this match. This is a match of the year candidate. So if everybody has an opportunity to go check it out, just allot yourself a good half an hour and just sit back and enjoy what these super juniors do that makes them so valuable to the world of professional wrestling. Super juniors are truly one of my favorites. It's just amazing how badly WWE can belittle a cruiserweight and how powerful and valuable somebody in the Super Juniors, all those same cruiserweights from back in the day who wrestled in the Super Juniors. Alex Wright did it, Ash. I'm dancing. I had to throw that plug in for everybody who listens here, not watches, but... But how valuable the Super Juniors are, how intense that match was, and how that level of match is being talked about across the board. Overall, a long week of wrestling, and next week, it will be no different. Triple Mania is tonight. I believe Triple A-A-Mania, Triple Mania. We watched it last year. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to watch it live again tonight. But Now, we've got... This is a big month coming up. We've got to figure out... Uh, are we doing a 2020 year in review like we did for 2019 last year with our buddy Frank at Wrestling with the Weasel? Well, Wrestling with the Weasel's back, so you guys give him a listen. He's a good friend of ours. He talks about WWE, talks about NXT, if you guys are into that. Kind of a co-host there. Because and Dynamite, too. He does talk about Dynamite, but we're, we're not really in the... We talked a little bit about WWE today. Ashley was a little disgusted. I apologize to all of our audience who doesn't want to talk about that. I didn't even notice that you did. You I'm just going to be honest. I just tuned she it just out. It out. Um, no, but we've got to figure out, are we doing a year in review? We've got to figure out how we're going to uh, do the Wrestle Kingdom coverage because I believe it's on a Monday and Tuesday. I believe we're getting a lot of collaborations coming up at the end of the month. So you guys let us know if there's anybody in particular that maybe you want us to pair with. That's within reason because I can only have so much feasibility. I can't. I can't go begging Cody to come on the show. That would be cool. You text him every we... time you say it on here that, oh, Cody texted me. You know, nobody else, just you. Well, I mean, maybe others, but I get a text from Cody. You guys let us Should know if you want to listen him? to some... Cla- Stop it. <laughs> you guys want to listen to some collaborations. Uh, let us know who you think that maybe if we haven't talked to anybody else that you think maybe we'd pair with, if there's other individuals that... Uh, you guys think highly of that you think that we would get along with you guys let us know we're up to we're open for this kind of thing absolutely and if there's anything you want us to talk about with the year end uh you know best matches of 2020 best stories of 2020 we we did uh, a show last year with with wrestling with the weasel like i mentioned if if you want us to do something similar uh if you want something different entirely let us know i mean we're we're open. It feels like 2020 was two different years because, I mean, the Revolution Tag Team match was the same year as the FTR Young Bucks match. So I it's can't just, it's almost it. like it's two different years. But, you know, top lists, whatever you guys want. But let us know. You can check us out at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, and Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com for any business inquiries. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, wearing your masks. And staying warm if it's cold by you because December hit and uh, winter is truly here. We are supposed to be getting, what, 13 inches of snow this week? 
but this year for the first time in my existence as a human being I have a snow blower so it doesn't even matter we have to it doesn't make sure it runs mad oh yeah could matter I gotta figure Fingers out crossed. how <laughs> I gotta figure out how a snow blower works but we're off to a good start because we have one at least so we don't have to shovel keeping my fingers crossed but thank you guys again as always we will be back later next week with another episode giving you your dynamite and new japan recaps thanks guys <laughs>